Hey, 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 I'm Julian from Mr. Q and welcome to the MongoDB podcast. Today we'll be talking about who Mr. Q is and how we got from zero to hero. Welcome. And as Julian said, this is the MongoDB podcast. My name is Shane McAllister and I'm on the developer relations team here at MongoDB. As ever, we're very happy to have you join us for another episode, which this time goes into the world of online gaming, or more specifically, online casinos with Mr. Q, a UK-based leader in the online casino space. Since launching in 2018, Mr. Q has been redefining online casino gaming with one idea in mind, keeping it all fun for their players with an extensive gaming catalogue of player favourites. In this episode, I talked to Ulian, Mr. Q's CTO, about their journey from inception through to launch, the online casino space, and how they adhere to their player charter and keep it fun. And of course, their use of MongoDB from the outset, initially on-premise, and then subsequently, their migration to Atlas, our multi-cloud database service. So let's join Ulian to hear all about it. So Ulian, welcome. Why don't you just take a moment to introduce yourself to our audience and tell us about who you are, what you do, and, and what's your background? Thank you. Thank you for being here, uh, Shane. I'm a CTO here at Mr. Q. Uh, I'm responsible for overseeing technical operations and uh, implementation of our tech strategy. And a big part of it is also building and maintaining a culture of values and vision-led teams mainly because like culture is very, very important to us and it allowed us to get where we are at the moment. Okay, excellent. So before we, we dive into Mr. Q and, and what the platform is, and, and I'd love to dive into more about the culture because I think that is key. Tell us a little bit about your own background, your CTO now. How did you get here on your journey to date? Yes, it is a bit of a weird journey uh, and, and fortunate. We like, the, we like the strange, obtuse journeys. I, I think um, I, I don't think any developer has a very straightforward path to where they end up. So tell me more about that. Uh, my background is software engineering. I've been a software engineer for 13 years and I've been with Mr. Q for the past seven and a half years. So, mm-hmm. you know, the majority or that or more than, than half of that uh, has been with Mr. Q. I worked before with other casinos, like GameSys. I worked in smart housing, in banks. So I kind of moved around until I found my sweet spot. All of these before Mr. Q, you know, they were they were pretty big corporates. And that wasn't really where I realized that that wasn't really where I wanted to be after after six years or so. And I was looking, I was looking for a startup or at the time, even, you know, almost hungry to start my own startup but that was yeah that was probably way too complicated for me at the time so i was fortunate enough to find you know mr q and and blindar which is our parent company and to find these these two guys two directors that i started with yeah and since then we've done amazing things we've severely underestimated pretty much you know what what this journey or how this journey is going to be like and how how complicated it's going to be and complex and everything but we got here in the end so you 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 learned some lessons with the larger companies but you you had an itch to scratch to go smaller and start something and get involved with something from the yeah. from the ground i think everybody has that at some stage and depending whether 
your circumstances allow you to do it or not is, is different, all right, too, because there's always a risk. So tell me a little bit about the inception of, of Mr. Q. When was it founded and what is Mr. Q? It's in the online casino space. How is it different than the competition, etc. as well? Lots of questions in there. <laughs> let's, let's start with Mr. Q. And why Mr. Q? Why the name? To be honest, there's no like crazy magical you know, reason on why we landed on Mr. Q. It was mainly because this three-letter domain was available. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as pragmatic as that sounds. Yeah. Well, three-letter domains are in short supply, generally. They I, I are very that... in very short supply, yeah, and we were... It's a good enough know, reason, right? Kind of, yeah, kind of. But usually people, when they ask this question, they expect this, you know, oh, because I identify myself as a Q and I think it's uh, the reason of life and all of that stuff. <laughs> I know when I spoke to some of my colleagues about interviewing you for the podcast, they were saying, I love Q from James Bond. Can we jump on the podcast and interview him as well? So I'm sure you've had that thrown at you in the past as well. Yeah, yeah, this this, this happens. Yeah, this happens, especially because, yeah, Q is a bit of a fantasy character used in quite a few places. Actually, it was a bit crazy because we, in the first year of, of Mr. Q, actually in the first couple of months, we went to this uh, Escape the Room experience and each one of us was actually a character they were giving you characters and stuff like that and they gave me assigned me this mr q character i was actually mr q in this <laughs> so it was fake it was always meant to be then it so was fake that cemented yes. it. at this point yeah it was fake it was founded you mentioned you two other directors as well too um what was it trying to solve at the time what was it trying to address because the the casino space is is huge and highly competitive. So, so how was Mr. Q going to set about to be different? Yeah, so we started we started this back in September 2015. Yeah, quite a while ago, but we we only launched in 20, 2018. We did a few things in, in in between because we we've never had external investment, so we had to you know make Bootstrap. our own. Yeah, yes, yeah, exactly. Pay the bills. Pay the bills. Pay, pay the bills. Yeah. So we did a couple of projects uh, in between starting Mr. Q and launching Mr. Q. But the mindset was always to not be uh, an online casino, but actually be a kind of a data-driven technology company that operates in the gambling space. So because at, at, at the time when, when I started, Lindar, you know, the, our parent company was already an entity, you know, owned by, by, the, uh, by Sava and, and Oded, uh, our two directors. And they were already uh, owning some white label casinos, but they were having loads, loads of issues with it. They were struggling with like availability of player data, uh, availability of real-time events, poor back office systems, poor technical implementations, lots of issues. And, you know, they, they kind of, they wonder, can we not do it better? Uh, there has to be, there has to be a better way. And that's where I come into the picture. I said before, we did, you know, severely underestimated the, the work that we need to put into this, not just from a development perspective, but, but everything, you know, licenses and compliance and all of sure. that stuff. Since then, uh, we've been inspired, so we've been inspired and driven by data and and tech. And obviously, you touched on it there. You know, you you started off as a almost a data driven journey, 
and trying yeah. to solve a problem that wasn't being solved elsewhere. And I think that when we talk to a lot of startups, it's roughly the same path. You know, some of them are, I felt I needed to do this. Some of them are, well, we were using other systems and platforms that just weren't up to scratch to do what we needed to do. So you mentioned kind of you're looking for data, player data and data on events in the online space. How does that matter to Mr. Q? How did that help them or change when you managed to come on board and say, well, look, we've got this problem to solve. We think we know how to solve it. It took a couple of years uh, before mm. launch. How, do, how did you go about that? Well, you know, I did have some experience. I did work before for an online casino, so I did have some experience. I knew how, you know, I wanted to do things better as well and differently. And again, not just from like a development or technical perspective, but everything else in the way, mm -hmm. you know, how you kind of help the business run, uh, how um, how you take care of the, the team, how you grow a team, how you grow uh, a culture, you know, that foundation is very, very important. We definitely, let's say, power through. <laughs> okay. <laughs> And you spoke about the team. Obviously, it's been growing. What size and scale is Mr. Q now? And what countries does it operate in? And in terms of data, you know, how much data are you processing for, for all of these players? And we, we can talk a little bit about the tech stack, but let's understand a little bit more about the size and scale and and location of operations for Mr. Q? Yes, so at the moment we're just in the UK, uh, a UK gambling license. We are in the process of getting uh, some extra licenses, but at the moment, yeah, it's just it's just UK. And you mentioned licenses and compliance. How much does the tech and the structure and how you manage data and, and obviously personal data and payments fall into that application process are you involved there as well too is it is it quite cumbersome i know when speaking with people in the financial industry it's the systems and processes are lagging behind where the technology is sometimes and so therefore compliance and things like that can almost be a, a backward step or seen as a backward step because they don't understand how things have moved or progressed there is uh, you know that that happens but it's it's all about using, as I said, using the data science behind and machine learning to try and, you know, prove that you are doing a very good job at, at protecting the player mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. giving them, you know, this, this safe uh, experience and always, you know, be compliant. Because for, for, for us, that is very, very, very important. Okay. And is that a hindrance on, say, launching new products, for example, et cetera? Or, and forgive me, I don't understand the, the, the casino, online casino space, but it, do, can you launch new products, new games at will? Or do you have to run and get those vetted from a compliance yeah, point of view? Yeah, you, you go through a, a compliance process with every even every game, every game engine, every okay. features, especially if they're tied to to games or critical wallet components, you always have to go through through a compliance process. Uh, and even so, you, you have like annual audits, multiple of them from a game perspective, from a security perspective, from a compliance perspective. It's a heavily regulated market, and you know 
that can be a hindrance, as I said, to innovation, let's say. It's an online casino, Mr. Q, the platform. I've been on the site. You have a host of games from the usual things that we would suspect, the roulettes and the blackjacks, all the way through to others that I, I, I have never seen before. How does that come about? And then you touched on it briefly, Ulian, that you are caring for the players. And I think people hear of online gambling. They're concerned. It's a risky market. I, I'm a skeptic because I understand coding and developing. And I'm going, you know, I'm, I'm playing this online game. A developer has created that. There's rules behind that. And I've been to Las Vegas a few times at various functions and events, as we do in the tech space, and I see all the tables. And to me, that looks like there's physics involved. Roulette, it's physics. The ball is bouncing. There's a physics engine involved in an online roulette game that somebody had to program, and the bounces are not necessarily governed by gravity anymore. So this is a lot of questions. But tell me about the difficulty of creating games, the amount of games that you have, and also, you know, how, how does that go about? How do you create those engines that, that, and those rules behind those games? Not giving away any secrets now, but... <laughs> yes, so those aren't necessarily all... They aren't actually all our games. Okay. Uh, we, and gambling, the gambling industry is a heavily commoditized industry where players expect to play the same games where everyone, like mm-hmm. every gambling platform, has very similar games or the same games. It's not, you know, I don't know, like in other industry or like a, a gaming a gaming industry where you'd expect you go onto another platform and you expect to play other games, you know, their own games. Here, it's not the same. You have, as a player, you have your favorite games, Mm-hmm. And you can switch casinos, but you're always going to be looking for those favorite games that you have a personal connection with, that you feel, you know, you're 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 like you're lucky with, you had big wins with, and and stuff like that. And at that point, you know, the um, personalized experience around that is all that matters, essentially. So if I like to play blackjack, for example. I'm, you know, have my choice of places to go to online for that blackjack experience. How would it be different for me? Why would I choose Mr. Q, say, over your competitors, for example? Is is there an experience different? How does how is that done? The experience is different because we, our vision is to shift the world's per- perception of what gambling should be, and that is fun. It should be fun, mm. but it can only be fun if you feel in control. And if everything is transparent to you and we're, we're realists and we appeal to the realists, uh, the realist who knows that, you know, there will be losses and there might be wins. The realist who affords to, to lose and, you know, looking, they're just there to look for value entertainment. And this is, you know, this is pretty much who we are. Uh, it's in our DNA and our experience the, or the experience that we provide will reflect that. I get the point of the, the fun experience and I understand as a user, you have a lot of mechanisms in place to help me. I can I can limit my time or my spend with Mr. Q, which I think is different than maybe some of your competitors, right? You're You're trying to bring that fun experience back to it, allow that it still happens, but put some certain safeguards in place. Yeah, and we, we continuously work on, you know, that transparency and, and give you, you know, as much 
data as possible for mm-hmm. you to make the right uh, the right decision. We don't, you know, we don't promise life changing wins, as opposed to a lot of, you know, the majority of our competition where it's all about like winning and mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. being yeah, betting more so you can win more and and stuff like that. We don't we don't we don't have that. We just started actually now first of March we started our a uh, new national TV ad and we're doubling down on our motto which is you win some and you lose some okay uh, okay this is and you know it's the honesty i think you know a lot of people find it refreshing in this industry because before everyone was you know from from an operator's perspective they were kind of afraid to say oh you lose if you come here you will lose but it's true if you gamble, you will lose. Uh, you may win, but you will definitely lose. The old adage goes, the house always wins. And I think going back to my trips to Las Vegas for events, and I, I used to watch people playing blackjack and roulette and, and craps. And on a recent trip, I learned how to play craps, which was an alien game to me. Yeah. But it was fun. It, like, as long as you... You didn't spend too much. I knew when to quit. It was a it was a group exercise. Everybody got a go. Everybody enjoyed other people's fortune. If if they did well and you had bet yeah. correctly, they you enjoyed it as well too. Talk to me about you know that side of things. And I think you're being super honest. But obviously, there's a and you said you didn't make all the games, but there's algorithms behind it, and it runs. You know, some some people might be very skeptical, particularly as I said earlier software developers would be very skeptical going i know if it looks as if i'm going to win maybe perhaps i'm going to lose big then just after that is it that the case or is it there a certain no, level no. of randomness there too it's very yeah it's very random and as part of the you know the certification process it's certified as being random it's not truly random you know obviously as you said that the, the, there is uh, an algorithm behind but it is it is random. It won't be you know the case where oh I won big now so I'm guaranteed that to lose <laughs> after. There is an RTP which is you know a return to player percentage, okay. and this is also where we differentiate from our our competition. We always even with the third party providers, uh, third party game providers, mm-hmm. uh, we always push for and we always opt in for the highest RTP for every game that we add to our platform because every every game or the majority of games from our providers will have a range of rtp let's say from i don't know 90 to 96 and if that's the case like we always go for the highest 90 96 uh, percent and we give that you know we show that to players we we put it there it's still difficult because you know as you said you can be skeptic we try to be, you know, trans- as transparent as possible and put that there. But if you, you know, spin a, a few times and you lose, it, it doesn't really matter. It says it's it's RTP ninety percent. You know, if you don't like, and and we're now going through a campaign of informing what exactly what RTP is. It, you know, because it okay. says ninety eight percent there doesn't mean you will, you know, you have to win yeah, 98% of times yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly exactly yeah. it's it's not it's not like that you know it's 98% from like 
a million spins or 10 million spins. That's how, that's how it works. And even then, there are variations uh, within games. There's like volatility, which says, you know, this RTP, if it can have this RTP can be, or this game can be highly volatile, but still respecting that RTP by, you know, you can lose, let's say, 10, 50 times in a row, and then you win mm-hmm. really big, mm, you know, and okay. that's a highly volatile game. Or uh, with a low, low volatility game, you win and lose small amounts here and there. But the notion of the RTP is good. I remember in a previous career, we were, I was a mobile developer and we were pitching to build one of these games for a, a gambling company, but we, we weren't successful. Um, and one of the developers who I'd asked to run over the functional specification and go through it in terms of our pitch for the game and, and our cost for the build said, doesn't matter that we didn't win it. They gave us the rules, how the game works. So I went back to the client and went, that's okay. You know, look, we'll play the game when it comes out now that we know the rules. And he said, you didn't think we gave you the proper rules and algorithm for the specification. That was just the sample, you know, a sample, a scenario. We only released that to the full and final developer. So I can understand the complexities around that. So I think it's very good that you're, you're, you're rooting for the player. You're getting that higher RTP for that, even though, as you say, it's truly random and it's not, if it's 90%, it isn't that one in 10. I, uh, random's interesting. I remember Apple struggled when they brought out the shuffle play People yeah. were complaining that it played the same song again at a certain yeah. time. It's like, well, it's it is truly random. So they yeah, went and exactly. made it less random yeah. in order for that not to happen again, too. So in terms of the platform, how many games are on Mr. Q and what size? I know you're only in the UK at the moment, but what size is your audience if you can give away those details? And you know, is there a regular time? Do they play more at the weekends? Do they play more at nighttime? What sort of insights do we do you get from that player-driven data that you, that you are collecting? Yes, so we do have at the moment we have over one million players. Not of those, not all of those are active. You know, there's like peaks and trots. I would say you know a few tens of thousand active uh, at the same time out of those. And we do have, on the platform, we do have 700 games. Okay. Wow, that's a huge choice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. It is because uh, we do have a lot of providers. We have, I think, over, we have over 40 providers, game providers integrated. Uh, because I said, you know, players to expect those, those games. When we first launched in 2018, we were naive enough to think that, you know, oh, we're just going to do some, our own amazing games and we're going to find mm-hmm. some third-party providers that, you know, only do really nice games that we like. And that's how that's how we launched. But players, yeah, didn't like that one bit. Okay. You know, they were coming and asking, oh, but where's this game and where's that game? And, you know, this sucks and that sucks. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so you're getting good, valid feedback anyway. So you in, you yes, increase the, the, the library and the variety of games that were available to them. A hundred percent. But we're, we're constantly, you know, calling those those games. Like we don't add, because if you if we were to add all the games, you would probably be in the, 
I don't know, a hundred thousand games you could add. Uh, so we're, we're, we're constantly, you know, calling them. We're constantly making sure that these are good games. There's huge effort even in, in QA where they have to make sure that every, each, each and every one of these games plays well across all devices and platforms. And if it doesn't, you know, we, 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 we pull it. That could be tricky in itself, given the variety of, of platforms that are available these days. Do you have a particular game yourself or do you not participate at all? Or, or... I do have favorite and we're actually launching our own slots okay. uh, in just a few days. Like oh, wow. In, in a few days. So by Probably the time by the this time podcast it, comes out. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they will already be live. Uh, which is really nice and these are really really good games and we have a few other in the pipeline to come in the next couple of weeks we have uh, you know an eternal game studio with a few very talented developers and yeah one one of these is um dr Acola, it's called like dracula but a bit of a play on words <laughs> brilliant uh, yeah maybe not so brilliant but you do have your own in-house development for games, even though you have a large library and you're you're buying in the standard ones. You you are developing internally. I didn't yes. know that. So, how is that process like? What's the length of time I would imagine imagine to come up with a a new game to add to the platform? In the beginning, it it takes a long time because you mm-hmm. have to go through that initial certification of the game engine, of mm-hmm. the remote gaming server. And that, yes, that takes longer. After that, you know, it's not going to be probably, it's going to be like, you know, the, the whole process is going to take like a week to certify each new game that we that we add, if it's based roughly on the same, you know, the same engine and the same remote gaming server. And we've, we've tried to do our own game studio almost since the beginning. It's just, we started, we started very, very small and we're still, we're still small. We only started with, it was, you know, myself and a couple of other developers. So just a team of three uh, Mm -hmm. very early on. And we stayed like that team of three, four, five, uh, all the way up until 2018, 2019. So it was, and even now on the back end, we have eight back end developers, eight to 10. Uh, We have, I said, game studio of only three developers on the front end we have four developers you know our devops department is just formed of one amazing guy uh, uh, to qa so it's it's still like a really you know small development studio compared to uh, the majority of our competition but all of these are just fantastic developers we took our time to to try and find good people and it hasn't been an easy journey and it took us years many years up until uh, yeah a year and a half two years ago so it took us you know six years to properly start expanding this team a bit more uh, the, yeah the core team but now yeah everyone is is happy everyone is where they want to be and it's it's very, very nice. And that goes back to the culture that you mentioned at the beginning. You know, it's kind of important, more so with the, you know, those smaller teams like yes. that, that everybody is is pulling in the, in the same direction together. Everybody understands the, the, the mission, I suppose, of, of Mr. Q. Yes, yes, exactly. And that that's another reason why we didn't want to expand 
too quickly because I said culture is very important to us. And as soon as you, you know, go big, go crazy, mm-hmm. it's impossible uh, to keep any any culture. But yeah, we wanted, you know, with, with the game studio, we wanted to create our own games because we wanted to innovate, same as, you know, we do with, with everything else. Uh, we think games can be done, you know, in a, in a better way. This is not going to be, you know, 100% reflected in like our initial games because it's also a matter of, you know, chip and iterate. Sure. Uh, we wanted to, you know, release the first first couple of games are going to be, let's say, on the simpler side. But we have we have big plans after that. Just constantly, you know, there's this pull, push and pull between innovation and compliance. And I can imagine. A, yeah. Yeah. And I would imagine, too, obviously, having your own game studio gives you more freedom and more c- control and more creativity. But you then, obviously, probably you've licenses for the other games that you've bought in from other people. So you, you don't have that. So you benefit from that. And and maybe, yes. you know, is it their plan, too, that if those games are successful, Mr. Q's games might appear on other people's platforms? Or is that your secret sauce you're going to keep them on, on the mr q platform i mean there might we don't mm-hmm. we don't have plans for that uh, at the moment at the moment they're just you know for us for mr q internally mm-hmm. uh, we have to see how how they do we have to you know improve upon them based on again the data uh, that we gather and the experience that we provide and then yeah i can't rule that out someday all the success with with the release of those I wanted to dive a little bit deeper into the tech. So I suppose it's probably really two-sided for you. There's the game engine, which you're creating your own now, but you've also licensed in. But more importantly, and probably for the MongoDB audience listening to this, is is the remote gaming servers and the data and everything behind that. So what core technologies are you using to, to manage the day-to-days of Mr. Q and, and to gather all that player data and event-driven data? Yeah, so we, we use uh, Java and Kotlin on the backend mm-hmm. as you know the, the main languages for our backend systems, along with uh, Redis for caching, MongoDB as our primary database technology for the Mr. Q microservices, and Kafka for real-time events, and React Yes, on the front end. A nice stack there, a lot of different technologies. Yes, yes, and uh, a bit of machine learning magic uh, on yeah on Google Cloud. Tell us a little bit about the scale of that. Then you mentioned you'd a million registered players. Obviously, not all doing it at the same time. But yeah. uh, you know, since you launched in 2018, how have you managed to keep ahead of those registrations? That scale, that amount of streaming data that would be coming back to you. Mr. Q, you know, is is built from the beginning on top of a distributed microservice-based architecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, each service can easily scale horizontally, you know, up or down. Each service is stateless and relies mainly on MongoDB as its primary uh, source of truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And sometimes, you know, with a bit of Redis cache magic. Sure. Uh, but yeah, MongoDB helps helped us here massively uh, by being very easy to to scale uh, horizontally mm. via sharding. And was it your first choice back in the day? Did you have options? And if you did, what drove you to choosing Mongo for the for the database? I remember 
Yes, so I did, you know, this was, yes, like seven years ago when, mm. when I first, you know, started the journey and MongoDB, to be fair, it wasn't then what it is now. Totally. Uh, and listen, uh, you're, you're preaching to the converted here. We have changed so <laughs> much, so much. So when I hear of people five, six, seven years ago looking at MongoDB, it's going, wow, the, the, it was, what was that, Mong 2.0 or, or 3 or so, you know, so. I think it was, yes, I think it was right after the 3.0 uh, launch. Yeah, in the first few months, I think we started with Postgres, hmm, okay. uh, but then quickly went went to 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 MongoDB, Good. mainly because of its scaling capabilities hmm. and the easiness of it. Having a very small team, small dev team, actually in the first in those first you know few months, half a year, it was just me, and I had to you know take care of everything, development, DevOps and everything else in between i couldn't dedicate a lot of time to mm. you know putting mm. together servers m managing you know the way they they kind of scale creating replica sets which is not or even shards which was almost impossible for mm. mariadb mm -hmm. or postgres at the time and i couldn't yeah i couldn't invest a lot of time into that so i i wanted to choose something that would almost do this for me and I was also, you know, attracted by the schema flexibility. I thought that would, that would be a good fit for what we wanted to do. Because you didn't necessarily know which data you would require back in the day then, and you wanted to be able to grow that and shape that as, as needs change. Yes, 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 exactly. And the initial, like, performance of it, because I didn't, uh, well, a lot of these related user data, you know, can sit in similar, in documents pretty much, so you don't need to do a lot of joints and stuff like that so that worked well, that, yeah that that's the, well for the mantra you know da data that you know <laughs> should be needs to be stored together basically and and yes. that's kind of one of the key things and you were very much ahead of the curve because all of those the, sh the sharding the indexing the scaling etc that you mentioned have become a lot easier with mongodb yes. over the years some of it automated over the years as well too yes and yeah. and has led us to where we're trying to forward MongoDB, not just as a yeah. database, but as a, a developer data platform. So you're kind of living, breathing proof of, of this journey, I, I think, Julian, right? Yes, 100%. Back then, they weren't, they absolutely weren't perfect. Uh, mm, and mm. I remember, you know, especially sharding, it was quite frustrating. But I, I remember even now, I was thinking to myself, after maybe, I don't know, a few days of, you know, dealing with this, I, I said, okay, I don't really need sharding right now. So let's put this aside and not waste time on it. But I'm sure that since, you know, this is a core function, they will definitely make it better in in a year when mm. I'm actually going to need it. And did that transpire? Yes, it did. Excellent. It did. <laughs> Especially after, you know, moving to, uh, to, to Mongo Atlas mm -hmm. soon after launch, probably 2019 or something like that. And Mongo Atlas, yeah, was, in my opinion, out of this world, still is, compared to competition, you know, database competition. That's the clip we we'll take from this podcast and use <laughs> for advertising. For, for no, thank you for that. And, and it's, it's great to hear these stories from, from customers who've been with us for a long time because so much has changed. We're on, I'm on the developer relations side of things, so yes, we're in front of developers all the time, but our, our role is different take this feedback and feed it back into the engineering teams. But 
a lot of the time when we do this, they say, we're already working on that. We already have that in place. That's going to be released with the next version. So our engineering teams and our the other teams that are dealing with customers more more so are taking that feedback, getting it back into the, into yeah. the team and, and building out those features. So it's great to hear all that positive stories on, on, on MongoDB and that you stuck with it as well too because we have changed so much over, over the years and it's only getting hopefully fingers crossed better. What's in the future for Mr. Q? Is it all about growing and scaling and having more users and going into more territories or is there also technical? Well, you, you touched on your own internal uh, game dev team as well too. So is that where you're at? So this year we're, we're actually doubling down on personalized player experience. We are working on this really dynamic and, and personalized like lobby experience. Some people call it, you know, the Netflix of casinos. Okay. Uh, <laughs> nice, nice, catchy. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't necessarily want to identify ourselves or see ourselves through another platform. But, you know, we're kind of, it's inspi- you know, being inspired by that level of personalization. And we want to bring that to online online casinos, which is not the case at the moment with any of our competitors. And I assume that level of personalization is, is, is purely data-driven. Yes. If, if you've got yes. that catalog of 700 plus potential games they play, I don't want to dive in there and see the 700 all the time. I want to see the ones that yes. I'm familiar with. Is that kind of the avenue exactly. that you're going? Yes, exactly. Exactly that. And, you know, we, we've had this in mind almost from the beginning. It's just you need to work on that data. You need to gather that data first before, you know, you can make meaningful decisions uh, mm-hmm. for for the player. I usually, and the analogy that I like to use more, it's mostly a supermarket uh, analogy because, as I, as I said, you know, it's a heavily commoditized industry. Everyone has roughly the same games, offers mm-hmm. roughly similar similar things. So then it's the same with a supermarket. Why do you go there to you know buy olive oil instead of here and it's mostly that it's it's mostly that, that the experience around it the personalized experience around it are they going to remember what olive oil i bought last time are they going to show me you know what what's the best cracker that pairs with this olive oil and what's the best i don't know fruit that pairs with this olive oil or wine or like it's it's all about that how okay. is this how is this you know supermarket especially online supermarket making my life better maybe making some of these uh, good decisions for me uh, and that's where yeah we're we're investing uh, at the moment are you growing outside of the uk to other markets and yes. all the compliance and regulation that that requires moving into other territories yes exactly you know this is let's say one of the main thing that you know is is hampering growth at the moment uh, i'd say the fact that we're you know in a single market and we as part of this year one of the goals is to go global mr q plus we call it okay uh, <laughs> of of going global and indeed there's you know there's a lot of compliance and regulations around it because you need to acquire new licenses mm-hmm. for almost every new market that you want to uh, go into and we have you know 
we're we're acquiring at the moment we're in the process of acquiring those those licenses and still kind of choosing the next market based on any number of things so i can't say 100 percent which one it's going to be by the end of the year or hopefully by the end of the summer yeah that's that's very very important uh, at the moment it, it's good that we we haven't done that early on uh, we haven't, you know, when we like usually other, yeah, competition, you know, they would, they would work on something and then they would try to launch it everywhere, which it makes growth, maybe financial growth easier in that sense, because you're in multiple markets. So it's, you know, it's, it's easier to acquire players uh, and stuff like that, but that would have stopped us from innovating on the core product. We didn't, we, we didn't feel like, especially again with, with a small team, we didn't feel like you know, the product was ready to actually uh, or mature enough to fly out there. But now it definitely is. <laughs> Good. And I think you mentioned finance there. I think one of the things that you also mentioned previously when we spoke was the fact that you, know, you get your payouts quicker and things like that. But you mentioned to me that you're looking to do payments better. Yes, we're, we're we're also we've uh, we've done a big a big payment provider integration uh, late last year and kind of now reintroducing it to players early this year, and this yes will definitely make payments a lot faster and a lot more kind of stable because there's there's a lot of avenues on how and you know this is outside players' view there's a lot of av- avenues on how you get your 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 money it goes through you know banks acquiring banks and card schemas and payment gateways and there's lots of things in in between and that's why it's not like you know we don't want players let's say a player receives their money i don't know three hours after they actually took it out of the system 24 hours we never Mm -hmm. ever add uh, artificial you know, delays. It's all because of the intricacies of the payment system that, you know, a payment might take longer than, than another. And we're working, uh, we're working with, with PayPal, we're working with the card schemes to improve that. We're actually leading that innovation with the card schemes themselves to improve this, especially in the online gambling, where payouts are a real thing. Everywhere else, there, there isn't really a payout. There's like a refund, which only happens, you know, very rarely when do you like refund uh, your your uh, payments from Amazon, for example. And even they take a quite a long time. Usually, you know, it's 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 a yes. funny old saying. You know, I I can pay exactly. you, my money's gone instantly. I look for a refund. It takes <laughs> exactly. Five they take, yeah, days, it's a seven yeah five seven days. Like why, why does it take? But that, this that is long? different in that because it's not a. It's not a refund because you could have no. won a lot more yes. than your original stake, and that is you know, exactly to get transferred back. Exactly, to the... yeah. It's a different. It's 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 a different avenue, different type of transaction altogether. This this payout that needs to go that needs to go back. Well, this has been fascinating. I suppose one as CTO, and obviously the online gaming world. You've you've been in this space for quite a long time. Like if you put on your future scene hat. You know what's next? What's coming around the corner in the next ten years for for online gaming? I feel like the online, you know, gaming and the online casino industry is stagnating because of regulations. For me personally, it feels like you know 
games are very similar. It's very it's very hard to innovate there. And when you do, you know, it might be seen as kind of a loophole that you someone will exploit. So it's a hard industry to innovate. But this is where I think, you know, we can have an edge. This is where I think we can be successful by actually, you know, going through with 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 this with the innovation. Excellent. So of the things that you talked about, it's not necessarily the game itself. It's it's the it's the platform, it's the personalization, it's the, you know, how you manage those players, your users. Yes, both. Both. We're you know we're doubling down on the platform, on personalization, but also transparency. You know, we're constantly using our kind of uh, data science behind it to be more transparent to users. And that, you know, is is uh, it's pretty much an intersection between product design and personalization and data. We're, we're, we're constantly trying to innovate there. But mm-hmm. also the games, the games can be improved quite a lot too. There are things that we, we we're trying to do. Can't disclose much there, but there That's are okay. things I'm trying it's to do. Yeah. Secret sauce. You could you can yeah. you can hold back for those. We'll certainly keep an eye on. But this has been a superb conversation and opens a, a world that I'm not super familiar with. But for me, I think it's amazing that you have this data driven journey um, and that you're looking at, you know, how do we use the data that we're gathering on our players to help them have more fun on the platform. And I think that's amazing. And and from such a small team and the growth over the number of years. I wish you every future success. Any last words for our audience, Julian? And I know you're only in the UK. So if you're in the UK, you can go to mrq.com, that three-letter domain that that you managed to grab. But if you're outside of that, you just have to, I suppose, watch this space and see where where Mr. Q ends up next. But any parting words or or anything for our audience? We haven't really, let's say, talked about bingo, especially because, you know, Mr. Q launched as a, bingo platform in, in yeah initially uh, and then we worked uh, we invested quite a lot into the casino part as well mm-hmm. uh, slots and you know casino live games uh, and stuff like that but we wanna we want to focus this year and next year uh, a lot more on on bingo too uh, and and offer a unique bingo experience there as well so can that be a shared experience like the real life bingo is you go into a hall and there's somebody up there calling the calls and the numbers is is that kind of what you're using to to make that more of a success yes yeah we 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 already we already have that uh we already have you know our own bingo bingo engine bingo system it's going well uh, I'd say not, you know, as well as we'd want to, mm-hmm. uh, mainly because we we need to do more uh, to to improve the experience there and to the same to innovate. Where in the next the next couple of weeks, there's also going to be a launch for for bingo. We're launching a new type of game, our own picture bingo offering. Same, you know, in those lines of innovation. What if bingo isn't about numbers? What if mm-hmm. it's with mm-hmm it's with pictures what if it's with i don't know maps and mm-hmm. cities and you know loads of other things like we're trying to switch the the perception there too on how is being seen and then expand on that and i hadn't and i, I should have asked it earlier around you know what was the first games out on the platform etc as well too but for me 
bingo is of a certain audience of a certain age because (laughs) you know it goes i remember from my childhood and my grandmother playing it in a hall and and coming along and helping her mark the cards so it's still very active online it's still one yeah it's 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 very active yeah and i wouldn't say you know it's just for grandmas a hundred percent it's yeah it's not like that there are a lot of players online players of any any age playing bingo and part of that it's 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 a social experience mm. you have a chat okay. mm-hmm. you talk to other players you kind of enjoy this together yeah the social aspect of it i think it's what makes it fun especially mm-hmm. if you have you know a chat moderator that keeps you all engaged it's a nice Nice evening. I think. We touched on it briefly, and and AI earlier on running the games. I understand that, but you you touched on chat moderator. Is is that something that you can bring to the table as well? Too, we talk here a lot about chat GPT and everything going on now, and AI. Yes, you know, yes. and those experiences. We've all done them online, where you're yeah. talking to the chat bot, and you're not getting anywhere. Mm. Can that be brought to the platform as well, too, or is it maybe there already? It's not there already, no. And you know, before yes, before ChatGPT, way before we were, we've been constantly thinking about this: how you can actually, you know, make it automated. But it's very, very difficult without a human moderator, especially because of the safety aspect. You cannot have any sort of margin of error. When it comes to player safety, if someone you know says something that they might have a problem, sure, you have to react right there and then, mm-hmm. uh, right there and there. So um, yeah, it's it's very difficult. But now you know with uh, ChatGPT, I think the the tables have have turned. Okay. And I see it. Yes, I see it as a kind of a massive leap in in you know language models and AI and. 100% we can use it for a lot of these things, including automated challenges. We'll, be, we'll watch this space. It's been superb chatting. I thank you so much for, for joining us on the podcast. Thank you for having me. No, it's, it's been great. So as we said, MrQ.com in the UK currently, no problem. Yes. Elsewhere, watch this space. William, it's been brilliant to hear the journey all the way through from your developer background into this formation of Mr. Q, the time it took to get the first games out there, and simply the size and the scale, having over a million users is quite a load to manage, I suppose, particularly in the regulated, heavily compliance, heavily licensed space that you operate in. So I wish you all the future success, and, and thank you for joining us on the MongoDB podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It was very nice being here. Many thanks to Ulian for joining me. I certainly enjoyed learning more about the online casino space. Although UK only at present, it certainly seems a case of watch this space to see what territories and features they roll out in the near future. It was also great to hear the journey Mr. Q had with MongoDB, starting all the way back with version 3.0 and then moving to Atlas as it became available. And I promise I didn't prompt all the favorable comments he gave, though I'm certainly glad he did. If you're listening to this podcast and you have a story to tell, please reach out to us via email at podcast at We'd love to have you join us on a future episode. So that's it for now. 
please remember to subscribe. And if you haven't, and why haven't you, please leave us a review. It only takes a minute or so, and it really helps our reachability for new audiences. So for me, Shane McAllister, and the rest of the podcast team, do take care, and thanks as ever for listening.